Hello and welcome to this Bakery and Snacks podcast live from SnackX 2013 in Sweden. I'm joined by David Jago, Director of Innovation and Insights at Mintel, to discuss a little bit more about what was talked about in his presentation on the state of the industry. So firstly, David, I think you brought up quite an interesting point in your presentation that actually low-sodium, low-fat, low-calorie claims, they're on what you described as actually a downward trend. We're not seeing as much of it at the moment. Why is that? Yeah, it sounds counterintuitive, but actually if we look at new product launches over the last several years, the percentage of products that are labelled as low-fat and low-sodium and so on has actually gone down, not up, in all the major European markets. Um, That sets up a pretty interesting situation, given that there's a huge amount of governmental pressure, pressure from health lobbies to formulate so-called better-for-you products, to make snack products in particular healthier. Uh, But at the end of the day, the consumer's not necessarily motivated to buy products which are labelled as low-fat or low-sodium because they may perceive a, a reduced taste or reduced quality of product. So the claims aren't there, but is action happening at industry level to cut fat, to cut sodium? Yes, absolutely. Um, All the major players and and smaller players and private label even are are very active in that area. But it's very much these days about covert reduction rather than overt reduction. Um, You know, as I said, if you you put on the package that it's a low sodium product, you're going to immediately alienate a large percentage of consumers who will perceive that as being a reduced taste. So you may reduce the sodium, but you don't declare on the package. That's, again, a pretty big challenge for the snacks industry because they can be seen to not be taking action, whereas in actual fact they are taking action, but a little bit under the radar. Yeah, because I was going to say it almost, in a way, arguably opens them up to more pressure because there's less proof that they're actually doing things. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the the solution really perhaps is to, to focus on that slow incremental reduction of sodium in particular not tell the consumer until you've almost already done it and then you say to the consumer hey by the way over the last 12 months or over the last three years we've reduced the sodium content by x percent by that stage the consumers become accustomed to it they're still buying into the brand they know and trust it and you kind of get around the problem that way but you, you have to do it on a very slow steady basis with fat it's a little bit more straightforward because you've got options like baked not fried So you can communicate that message without having to say low fat in great big letters on the package because consumers get the fact that baked, not fried, is better for you. Okay, so they're not buying into low sodium, low fat claims. What do consumers care about when they're spending money on snacks? Well, primarily price. Price is still the biggest factor and that's partly, of course, due to the economic downturn in many markets. But price and products being on special offer has always been a big factor. After that, it's the sensory claims area, really. So it comes into flavour and taste of products. That's really the, the, the next most important driver. That's why people buy that particular snack rather than another. Okay. So, I mean, the snacks market's huge. How can you make your flavour appeal more than the other product next to you? Well, the consumer really is quite conservative, so you can't push flavour too far. You can experiment with flavour blends, for example, by adding a less familiar flavour with a familiar one to create a a slight twist on something the consumer is already familiar with. You can also add a lot of value to a flavour by talking about the components of it. So, for example, uh, roasted garlic, not garlic, or Tuscan sun-dried tomato rather than tomato. Those values do seem to resonate quite well with consumers, particularly at the more premium end of the market. Increasingly, though, we're also seeing the provenance story coming into play. Uh, what PepsiCo has done in the UK snacks market is a very good example of that, talking about the provenance of the flavour components in its potato chips. OK, thank you very much for taking time to talk to us, David. Thank you. And thank you for listening to this Bakery and Snacks podcast live from SnackX 2013 in Sweden. I'm Casey Kalini.